Hello, and welcome to Mirror Dimly Face to Face. I'm Stephen Herzig. It's a pleasure to have you on this podcast again today. In the first episode, I was reviewing the reasons why the title, Mirror Dimly Face to Face, and why this podcast, what I was seeking to achieve from it. And even though I didn't fully uh, cover all those points, I made, I made a start and we explored some of the things that I was seeking to achieve in terms of helping people understand more about the person of Jesus and see him more clearly. And in the first episode, we looked at three examples of people who were close friends of Jesus and whose lives were very definitely intertwined with his from the very beginning from the outset of his ministry, and the fact that they weren't able to recognize him in his resurrected body, and the reasons, some of the possible reasons for that. Um, and so this episode, I want to be, continue to have a look at some of the reasons why we don't see so clearly, and some of the challenges that provides, and some of the external threats that we're all facing, which very, very quickly can cloud the way we perceive things and make it more difficult for us to uh, engage with the person of Christ in a, in a meaningful way. When Jesus started his ministry, the Jews in his neighborhood didn't see him clearly either. They, they saw him as Jesus the carpenter's son, whose mother and whose brothers we know. And I think that we tend to, or lots of people, tend to have Jesus' baby in the manger once a year because that's about as much as they can cope with. But then they, they try and keep him there in the manger and forget about him for the rest of the year because it just becomes too difficult, too much, too much to engage with. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes, writing to the Corinthians, says, Even though we've ne- seen Christ according to the flesh, we know him thus no longer. Uh, by that he's meaning, even though we may have lived with him, walked with him, journeyed with him, uh, heard his teaching, seen the miracles. We don't know him as Jesus, the carpenter's son. We know him as Jesus, Messiah. And that is a fundamental change that needs to take place in all of our hearts. And it's not one that comes just from a brief encounter. It's run through, that often comes through the struggle and the, the challenges that life throws at us. And another reason for this con- this podcast is that I, I'm convinced that we're uh, entering, well, we have entered a period of much greater instability in our world, as I will just briefly touch on a little later. And in times of greater instability, it is really crucial for Christians to develop a harbor in their hearts. It's no good looking for help and resource and answer and hope and light outside of oneself. One needs to be able to have the capacity to develop the safe place within our own souls where where we are able to, if you like, find a shelter in the storms that the world is currently experiencing. David, the psalmist in Psalm 23, he wrote, even despite his enemies being present, his cup overflowed. And I... I confess that I find too many Christian people with not having overflowing cups in this period of, you know, in the last months or years that we've journeyed. Um, It's been a challenging season. It's been a very, very difficult one for many people because events in the world have got 
very, very much more unstable and unpredictable. Um, I, I read a, a book a number of years ago that was written in 1998 by uh, a, a well-known Christian thinker and writer. His name was Dallas Willard. Uh, he was a professor of philosophy and applied theology at, I think, uh, Southern California University in San Diego. And he wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy, which really was seeking to help Christians live out the gospel and have a much more grounded understanding of who Jesus was in their own personal experience and their own personal life. And he used primarily the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount to uh, to talk through some of the lessons that he felt we needed to learn. But he starts his book in the opening sentences with the re relating a story. And that story went as follows. Recently, a pilot was practicing high-speed maneuvers in a jet fighter. She turned the controls for what she thought was a steep ascent and flew straight into the ground. She was unaware that she had been flying upside down. This is a parable of human existence in our times. Not exactly that everyone is crashing, though there is enough of that, but most of us as individuals and world society as a whole live at high speed and often with no clue whether we are flying upside down or right side up. Indeed, we are haunted by a strong suspicion that there may be no difference or at least that it is unknown or irrelevant. So in this, in this little story that he starts, this anecdote that he starts his book with, we have this sad story, really, of a, of a fighter pilot who definitely lost her life. He crashed her plane at high speed straight into the ground and, and you know, performed this maneuver but actually it was the opposite way that she should have been going. And, I, I, you know, I think that very, very much so we are in a world where uh, things around us make us feel increasingly confused and challenged. And that is something that I am, you know, seeking to address within this podcast to help us become stronger, to help us become more resilient in our spirits and to dig the, har the harbour of our hearts out, uh, to put up the seawall, to place, to create a place of shelter so that uh, our ship can find safety in the storms. Um, and, and this is really something that we're all seeking, isn't it, in our world? Now, just to, by way of reminder, in the last 25 years, we walked through a number of significant dramas since Dallas Willard wrote his book. Uh, the first one was a bit of a, a damp squib, as they say, the Millennium Bug, which would have been discussed and kind of on people's minds when he wrote his book in 1998. But subsequent to that, we had the terrorist attack on on New York and Washington in 9-11. We've had the financial crisis of 2008. We've had con growing conflict and global strife, wars in different parts of the world, and in continual angst between China and the United States, or growingly so. We've had a pandemic. We've got two wars currently going on between Ukraine and Russia and 
and conflict in Gaza and Hamas's attack on Israel just last year. And then against the backdrop of all of this, we have the general angst or concern of the realization that human development, human industrial development particularly, and uh, human consumption of energy has changed our climate. Now, uh, however people may want to discuss that, um, we are not all completely sure and maybe that that climate change is solely caused by human activity, but certainly it is a factor. And it is indisputable that the temperatures around the world in different countries are getting warmer and warmer. Climates are getting wetter in the in part of the country, the world where I live. Um, the UK has had its two hottest years, the last two years ever, and ten of the hottest years in the last, uh, you know, fifteen or so of this century. So we are definitely in a time of considerable turmoil and concern, and it is. For Christians, it's important that we become grounded and dig that harbor out. So I'm going to be I'm going to be drawing on the teachings of Jesus, but a different set from the one that Dallas Rillard used. I'm going to be referring primarily to the farewell discourses or the departure discourses, as some theologians know them, uh, and these are these are found in John's Gospel. And they are more a discourse or a conversation than a teaching. Sermon on the Mount is, if you read those three chapters in Matthew 5 to, 5 to 7, you, you'll notice that they're very definite teachings. The farewell discourses are a series of discussions almost which Jesus is having with his disciples to prepare them for, well, change in their world, very, very significant and dramatic change, his departure, his his crucifixion, his arrest and crucifixion, and then resurrection and ascension, and his departure from this world, and 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 the the comforter that he's wanting to bring to them in his place, the Holy Spirit, and he's wanting to introduce that that change and help them in that transition, which is was so significant for them and for us, and so Jesus, then he he brought a number of teachings or sharings or. In that conversation, answered questions, uh, said things that initially they didn't understand, and then gradually began to help them unpack that a bit so that they could understand them. And uh, he ultimately, in those teachings, helps to see how he restored the things that Adam lost, the things that lost to the mankind. Some of the reasons why those those close disciples of Jesus, both Mary Magdalene and Peter and, and Clopas, whose, whose wife was at the foot of the cross with Jesus when Jesus is, was crucified and was amongst or companion to Mary, Jesus's mother. Uh, th- these were close, close friends, and they completely failed to recognize him. And so we, we, we are being helped, if you like, by Jesus to see through the, this conversation, through this dialogue with his disciples, what he wanted to achieve and how what he came to accomplish, and how they could embrace that in a in a whole new way, in in their lives and in their person, and that became the strength for them to then make the fundamental difference or transformation of both their own hearts and lives, their community together, their fellowship with one another, 
but then the empire as a whole. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to look at really at what Adam lost to get a clearer understanding of what Jesus has restored. So we're going to go back to the early chapters of Genesis in the next episode, and we'll begin to unpack the three principal things that are mentioned directly that Adam lost in, in that rebellion in Genesis 3.